right, Bill, really excited to have you on today. I, I think we have two stories to break into on this first question, which I always put the asterisk on here that the first question is a boring question, then we'll get into it. But everybody that falls into franchising seems to have not taken that pathway or chose that pathway to begin with. And as I look through your story to where you are today, there's, there's two little jumps here that I'd love for you to talk about. But what is your franchise story? How do you even fall into franchising? Yeah, it's funny we use the term fall into, right? Um, <laughs> and franchising is a great journey for many people. Um, you know, believe it or not, and I didn't realize this when I first got into franchising, my parents were franchisees of Toughcoat Dino back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, they owned three units. And, um, you know, I never really made that connection until I was in franchising for a couple of years myself. But um, we got into franchising because we took a, a family road trip and my wife's car broke down an hour from the beach. And I had been sort of working on a business plan for an automotive related business. And we were sitting on the beach while her Durango was getting fixed in town. And I said, if this is happening to us and this being poor car care, it's happening to other people. And we gotta find a way to make car care better. And, and what happened was we, we bounced back and forth between the dealership and another repair facility. Somewhere along the way, someone mixed the wrong antifreeze in with ours, and it turns to jello. There's so many different antifreezes and engine coolants out there. Um, so then that set me on my journey to open up a shop, and I, I met a franchisor, Radar Complete Car Care. We hit it off. We spoke a lot of the same language. We shared a lot of the same values, and I opened up a unit in 2014. If you go back to that moment, obviously, and, and look, that, that journey is probably – has a lot of alignment with other human beings. There's some sort of trigger in their life that makes them say, and you were working on your business plan, makes them say, uh, maybe I wanna do something different. And then when you find what you perceive as a gap in the marketplace, then it's full full steam ahead. I know what I wanna do and how do you align those together? When you go, obviously this is a little while ago, when you go back to making the decision to become a franchisee, the cat, like there are a lot of brands that occupy automotive. You said it aligned with my my mission and, and their values, like we were aligned. Did you look at other brands as a part of your process or were you, was this it? You know, this was it. And, um, you know, I really never thought about franchising. And one of the things that really hooked me was um, I grew up in a, in a city, well, I grew up in Menor, Ohio. And before my family moved to Menor, we lived in Wycliffe for about five years. And that's that's where my unit is, Wycliffe, Ohio. And Radair had been approached by a shop in Wycliffe that was getting ready to close. And they they approached Andy, our CEO, and said, listen, we, we think this only can work if it's a franchise. We like you. If you could find someone to move in here and continue on what we've done, that would be awesome. I had, no, I had such an itch to open a business and there was no other, we looked at so many automotive repair businesses that just weren't a good fit for me. And then Radair had its hands on this one. I said, this, this is the community I wanna be involved in. The employees that were gonna stay on board were great folks. And um, I didn't even, I, honestly, I didn't even think to look at another brand. It just, everything was fitting together. I said, you know, this is part of my journey, let's go. So you jump in and you, you own one unit, right? Yes. Did did scale ever come to account? Like, because if you were working on a business plan, you're thinking about how do I, in some aspect, how do I build wealth for my family? And wealth could be both cash and it could be lifestyle. But are you thinking about scale or what, what made you stay at one unit instead of growing more? 
Well, I was about four years in and I decided to, my original goal was in 10 years to have four units. That's, that's what I was going to do. And after doing it for about four years, I hired a manager on and started looking for that second unit. And that's when the franchise organization um, came to me and said, Hey, rather than open up a second unit, why don't you start working with us? And um, we, we talked about some of the goals and some of the vision I had, if I was going to get involved in, I, I was actually in discussions with another unit, um, with another location to uh, convert them into a radar and put that on hold and moved over on the franchise side. So that that would be another rare part of a traditional story. When when you've decided, you know, screw the man, I'm going to go own my own business. It's very <laughs> rare that you go back into the career. What was the trigger that made you say, what ultimately made you say, okay, I this is what I want to do with the next stage of my life? So one of the reasons I opened up an automotive repair business was to connect my passion for cars and helping people. And and you don't necessarily have to have a passion for cars to be one of our franchisees, but it just happens to be one of my passions. As I looked at the opportunity to jump on the Zor side of things, I thought I can take that to the next level. I can help people achieve their business ownership goals and really help them to be the, the best operator they can be, the best man or woman or business owner that they potentially could be. The idea really got planted in, in my mind a couple of years before this even went went into place. We sponsored an Xfinity NASCAR at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, and our CEO, Andy, and I are driving through the paddock, and he points over to a, some cars that you could rent and race, um, not in the Xfinity series, but a, a smaller series. And he says, man, I'd, I'd love to be able to do that someday. I said, Andy, let's grow this. Let, let, let's you know find a way to grow and get more stores, and that's how you could be spending your weekends. Um, I think that might have been sort of what triggered uh, or planted the seed with him. But I always think back to that conversation that, you know, we have this shared vision of of really growing things. So I really got excited about being able to help even more people just than the clients that come through our Wycliffe store. But imagine your level of credibility with the buyer is tremendous because you can talk about the journey of becoming a franchisee. How much do you rely on that as a part of your process? A little bit. Um, it's funny. That's what people say that they really appreciate about my perspective is I could tell them the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that go into opening up a unit. But then the rewards, too, and how to get engaged with the community and support the people that work for you. Um, it, I hear time and time again that it's a unique perspective that isn't everywhere in franchising. So another another smart thing, not I'm not blowing smoke on purpose. I just think it's a, it's an interesting thing is you said, I went ahead and got a manager for my location because you were thinking about scaling. That is a big decision for a franchisee, which again, like from a, if I'm thinking through a sales process, even you being able to talk about the moment that you said, it's not going to be Bill's shop anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to build this into a professional business. I'm going to go make that higher, knowing that it's going to, it'll bite into your profits but it'll allow you to do what's next, which obviously led you into this. When you think back on that, like how, how complicated was that decision and how rewarding has it been? Oh, super complicated. And, and when I say my wife and I prayed over this and we thought, and you know, we just constantly wringing our hands, are we ready to do this? I mean, we're going to put someone's livelihood and their, their future in our hands because if this didn't work, you know, we were stuck. And I came to the self-realization that I grew the unit to where I could get it because I was at that point where I, I, I was working in the business every day. 
which I couldn't work on it as much as I wanted to. And it really just came to that, that, that point where something has to change. Either I find someone to work on the business, which I wanted that to be my job, or I find someone to work in it and really take what we did to this point and grow it. And um, yeah, he's still here today. I just had lunch with him today. We were talking about some ideas on how to even grow the business more and what he needs for me as a, you know, as, as his boss. Um, and the rewards have been awesome to be able to step away from the business to, I mean, th there are times when I might not talk to him for a few days and the place doesn't burn down. <laughs> it's, it's great. I mean, that's, that, that's exactly what you want. The same, that, that right mentality so that you can allow someone or give someone the autonomy to operate the business and, and do it with integrity. So that you know, they're going to do right by you, even when you're not, you're not there. And I think that's, that's a critical thing. Have you, have you dreamt about multi-unit ownership in between taking this role and leaving the last, I mean, not leaving, but leaving it in the hands of someone else? Yeah. I've thought about, you know, another unit or two. We talk about sometimes in the corporate, you know, do we, do we acquire a location as a corporate store and then grow it and do a resale on it? Um, but I think it would take too much of my focus away from what I really enjoy. And that's helping our existing franchisees as well as looking for, you know, new folks that want to join on to the radar family. How big is the system now? Right now we're at 10. Um, we've been last about last two years, really laying the foundation for growth. You know, when I come, came on board, our FDD needed a good refresh. Our marketing materials needed a refresh. The website you have pulled up here got a refresh. Um, and then just developing relationships in the franchise community to you know start to get some men and women in the funnel. We have a few folks in the funnel now that are looking uh, looking to be business owners. Are the ten that are there are they owner operator or are they multi unit operators? Um, we don't have any uh, multi unit right now, uh, and fifty fifty. So half of them are semi absentee, and the other half are owner operator. Well, that's interesting. I mean, even the semi absentee. I mean, the fact that you can allow that business to continue to grow that way should if someone someone has the the dream or passion to build scale that's a that's an important proof of concept for why you would want to be a multi-unit operator in the system that half half don't have to be in the shop every day which you're you're obviously semi-absentee too so i think there's right. that. so what's what's the dream what's the vision for the business now oh man uh you know, I, I always talk about, um, you know, we, we want smart, sensible growth. We're just not going to take somebody's money because they have it and they say they can do it. Um, you know, we, we actually started franchising in 1999 and we're at 10 units. Most people say, OK, wait a minute, let's let's talk through that. You know, before I jumped on board, we didn't have a big outbound sales model. We weren't getting leads. You know, it was all what I call tribal. Um, you know, we had an employee that wanted a unit. We had a friend of an employee that wanted a unit. Um, and, that, and that's how we how we grew. Um, you know, the vision is I would love to have five awarded in the next 12 months. Um, we we kind of made a big splash about two years ago and, um, you know, really went to market with this. And I really think our our good growth opportunities are going to be here in the Midwest. All 10 locations are in Cleveland, Ohio area. We still have opportunities in northern Ohio, but throughout Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, you know, that, that's the smart, sensible growth for us. But the most inquiries I get are from Texas and Florida um, and the Carolinas, and we'll support those as well. What's your franchise fee? 49.5.
So it's higher. Does that mean you're using the broker network or not? We, yeah, we, we do use the broker network. Any success out of that? None that, uh, none that we've been able to award quite yet. We get some folks very close. Um, you know, one thing that I'm trying to do and the folks watching this will hundred percent understand is I like to say there's a lot of noise in franchising yeah. and how can radar rise above that noise and, and get our brand a little bit more uh, aware in the marketplace. And that's what we're trying to do right now. I mean, from where, where I stand, and this is typically where I like to give my two cents, um, a few things. One, brands don't sell brands, people do. And I think your story is phenomenal. The fact that you've been loyal, not only to the brand, but you were willing to risk your life savings into a business that you have little to no control over. And you not only bought into that, but what's fascinating is once you saw this business, you didn't look anywhere else. And so I think one, I think your story should be, be a part of this Two, uh, if I'm reorganizing your website, I'm putting the fact that half of your franchise owners are semi absentee and why it's taken us so long to wait, to push down the, the gas pedal, uh, is because we wanted to perfect the model. And when you have half of your franchisees a semi-absentee, that means they can go on to open up unit two, three, and four. And you look at some of the bigger players in the automotive spaces, like that's that's where they take off. They get franchise owners in who want to scale, who understand how much it costs to get into each location and how much they, they can make. If I'm coming up with the, the marketing concept, uh, what, one thing that, that resonated with me when you were talking is you were talking about the, the weekend car enthusiast that you got, we can do more of this and we build more stores. Well, maybe there, maybe there's an insight there. Maybe there's something that you can do with the franchise fee. You don't have to go the regular path of giving it to a, a military veteran, uh, a discount, which that's, that's the go-to maybe there's something about automotive that if you've worked in an auto shop before, we shave 20, 20K off the franchise fee because we know that we're not going to have to train you as much because you already understand how to work yourself around the store. You do something like that. Now you're creating a point of differentiation in a crowded marketplace. The last thing I'll say is if you were to track the growth of other competition um, who are saturated or sold out and you position yourself as the next business in that marketplace, the reality is there should be healthy competition. And I would imagine majority of human beings uh, want ease of uh, support, meaning I don't want to have to drive across town through traffic to get my car fixed. I'd rather find it in my proximity. So, I, you know, I think you have a lot of a lot of the tools here. And, you know, Bill, I think you're you lifting up your story could have tremendous impact for what you're trying to accomplish as a, as a brand. Yeah, Nick, those are all great points. You'll, you'll probably see them in our updated marketing too. Perfect. <laughs> That's why I do this. So, right. so to a ghost, a ghost is out there. They've watched this point. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to go down this pathway. And they can only see what they can see online. Clearly, there, there's your story is not in the mix right now. What else do you want them to know about this business opportunity that will help them say, uh, now is the right time for me to fill out that form and schedule a call with you? Yeah, you know, I, and what I'm about to say, they're probably going to hear from a lot of different franchisors, uh, but I'll give some examples of why why we think it's a little bit different. You know, it comes down to the support, um, the handholding. We can be very nimble because we're small. 
um, you know, we don't have a lot of things pulling us in different directions. And Andy, our CEO, likes to tell the story that when I came into the role, one of our existing units, he wanted to update all the LED lighting in his shop. I said, great, let's let's do it. He's like, what do you mean? I said, what day are we doing it? And I'm not an electrician. And, and I hope <laughs> I hope the local city isn't watching this. I was in there on a skyjack helping him update his shop's lighting to LED. And then we were on the roof looking at his sign, his lighted sign on top of the roof. I can't guarantee we're gonna be able to do that for everybody, but that's the kind of opportunities or help we're willing to offer. What, what do you need and how can I get you there to do it? Um, you know, being able, here's another example. You know, when we opened up our Strongsville store, which is, um, we like to call it the Taj Mahal. It, it, it's our concept store on steroids um, because it's eight bays in our concept stores. We have a four, four bay and a six bay model. It was one of the wettest springs on record. And our CEO was out rounding up these huge dehumidifiers to get all the moisture out of so the cement could be poured and you know, putting heaters in there and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, if, if that's what he's gonna do to help make sure a store opens, there isn't anything we wouldn't be willing to do. So just the fact that we could be nimble, um, we're always looking at new technology. You know, we've been, I don't know, Nick, when you get your car service, do you get a digital inspection? Do they send you pictures and video? No. Okay. So that's one of the things we started doing about eight and a half years ago is when a client comes to one of our locations and we call them clients, not customers, because we want that long-term uh, relationship. The technicians have tablets in the bay. They take pictures and video of things that are good with the car and things that are wrong with the car. And then we send that to our client. So you could see, hey, this is every time the wheel goes around, it makes a noise. Here's why it's making the noise. And here's what it takes to fix it. So we're always looking at new technologies, not only that make the client experience better, but then also that a, a store owner can look at the KPIs and they can manage their store no matter where they are, whether they're in, in the store or on the beach somewhere enjoying life. So this is this is going to be another aha statement, but everything you just said is nowhere to be found on your site. And you just like if you beautifully what you just said that Andy was in there, he was willing to do whatever it took to help help get this store store open that your technology guarantee uh, just purely that you want transparency and you're trying to take transparency and automotive to a new level where, you know, the 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 perception of most customers is that I'm you're going to get me and you're like, yeah. no, we're actually going to show you what you have. Those two elements, because on the support side, and that probably goes back to even when you bought in, uh, for someone to buy into a business, most likely they're not an expert in labor relations and supply chain management. They, they might love automotive, but they don't know all the aspects of business. And you just said, like, we're willing to do whatever it takes. They're not going to, they might not be an expert on how to change light bulbs. <laughs> you are willing to get on that right. roof and help it out. So that kind of stuff if that ghost, because I said, who's the ghost take like replay what you just said and rework it that way. That that's your answer. Because oftentimes we as franchisors know what the right pathway is. We don't know how to communicate it. And so if you go spend money on tactics, you do marketing dollars into the opportunity, you're driving them into a place that just says become a franchise owner. And here you're, you're talking about family. You're talking about like, these are brothers who have each other's backs. That's that's a big deal. Um, I think you should take take credit for some of that in the way that you're positioning your story. Nick, that, that is gold. You know, and you hear it so often in marketing that we know what we want to say, we know what we do, we just assume everyone else already knows it. Right. Right. <laughs>
Well, that's 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 normal. I, I would say like out of brands that I've evaluated, nine point nine out of ten live that way. And sometimes it takes takes that moment to zoom out a little bit and say, "Huh, I guess I guess that is pretty cool that we're doing that." Because because again, like I and I said this at the beginning, for you to only have selected one brand, that means there's magic in this brand. Most people, as we've profiled franchise owners. Not not tremendous amounts. Three to five brands is what they end up looking at uh, through the process, and it doesn't mean they go fully to discovery day. But in exploratory modeling, they're they're trying to weigh the pros and cons on that. You were like, "This is it. Culturally, I'm aligned. I'm in." And then beyond that, you're like, "I know I quit the man, but now I'm going to go work for the man again because I love this thing." So, I think that's I think all that stuff is proof of the pudding, and you just got to create exposure to the pudding. So, great point. Bill, love your story. I love the franchisee to franchisor. I think your insights are tremendous. Uh, thanks for sharing it with us. Um, for Bill, I'm Nick. This was another episode of Meet the Zor.